Welcome to Your AHA Life, the podcast for high achievers who want more for their lives, more joy, more purpose, and more fulfillment. I'm your host, Tanya Harris Cornelius. I believe wholeheartedly that you don't have to choose between career success and personal fulfillment. You can have both. In each episode, I will provide stories of insight and inspiration to help you craft the life you dream of living, your AHA life. Let's get started. Today is a first for your AHA life, the podcast. In this episode, I have a guest with me. Christine Foss and I met to talk about an important topic that 70% of people experience at some point in their lives. I know you're going to get a lot from Christine's and my conversation on the imposter syndrome. Welcome in. Christine, I'm happy to have you here today. Thank you, Tanya. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, great. And I'm so excited about the topic that we're going to explore together. Uh, But before I do that, I want to tell our listeners a little bit about you, and um, then we'll get ready to jump in. That's okay. How's that? That's great. Good, good. So Christine Foss. Christine is a dynamic and creative senior learning and organizational development professional who has built her career working for corporations, nonprofits, and healthcare organizations. As an expert facilitator and coach, Christine is currently a learning and organization development consultant with Kaiser Permanente in Atlanta, Georgia. This is where she partners with leaders at all levels to enhance organizational performance and improve the development of leaders at all levels and their teams. Christine received her master's from the University of Georgia in Athens, Georgia, in the field of learning, leadership, and organization development. I'm so thrilled to welcome my friend, Christine. How are you? Thank you, Tanya. And I just have to do a little shout out for the Bulldogs, since you and I are both Bulldogs. (laughs) Yes, my Gator (laughs) friends might not like that uh, we're doing a shout out to Bulldogs. But yes, I'm also a Bulldog. So yeah, shout out to uh, Go Dogs, right? That's right. Yeah. So Christine, before we even jump into today's topic, which I'm I'm going to share, our topic, by the way, is on the imposter syndrome. It's really an important topic. It's a topic that comes up a lot. I get a lot of requests uh, to talk about this. So we're going to jump into that in just a minute. But Christine, I remember when we reconnected, you told me uh, that you remembered me speaking at an ASTD function or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So I um, met Tanya um, a, at least 13, if not 14 years ago. Um, at the time, it was called the American Society for Training and Development. Now it's just known as ATD. And we were in a meeting in Georgia, and you were sharing about the PhD you were getting from the University of Georgia. And the topic just sounded so interesting. And you inspired me to go back and get my master's in learning leadership and organizational development. And I even had the honor of having you in a class where you came back and spoke to one of the classes. 
um, and you inspired me once again. And so I was really excited that we got to connect after that and um, really learn more about what you're doing and really excited to be part of the community you started, the AHA community. Yes, I'm so happy to have you in the AHA community as well, Christine. And I have to say, until you told me about our connection 13, 14 years ago, I had totally forgotten about that. And I think that's something, one, um, just to remember that we, we never know who we're impacting, right? And we never, know, right. we never know who we're impacting with our stories and, and who is perhaps even admiring us from, from afar. So I love that story and I love that I inspired you to go back and the program that we both went through at UGA was phenomenal. And uh, so, yeah, so we're here today, but you, I want to go even more because as we're talking about the imposter syndrome, before you did go back to school, though, you told me that, you know, you kind of talked yourself out of it at, at a time yes. and then you talked yourself back in, but then you had a sign. Tell, yeah. our, tell our listeners a little bit about that experience. Absolutely. So um, I also want to normalize that. Um, 70% of us experience moments of imposter syndrome. So um, it's not very uncommon for us. And I was having a moment where I was thinking, it's been 25 years since I've been to school, even though I was an excellent student, went on a full academic scholarship, I still had a lot of fear about getting a master's degree. And um, I needed to take an entrance exam. And on the way to the entrance exam, I was having a lot of anxiety, called my mom and said, you know, I'm really worried about this. She said, you know, well, maybe it's too much. Maybe you shouldn't go to get your master's degree. And as I was talking to her, I, my, I looked out my car window and I was at a corner of an intersection and there was a homeless man standing there in a really nice red um, polo type shirt and it had a big UGA emblem on it. <laughs> and I, took that, <laughs> I took that as my sign that, yes, I, you know, I'm supposed to go and do this test and and um, continue my journey with um, working towards a master's degree. And it's been great ever since. And I was so grateful for that man that was standing yes. with his University of Georgia shirt on. Yes. I mean, talking about uh, never knowing who inspires whom, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you saw him at that intersection. And uh, the thing about your mom is it's very typical, right? Particularly for people who love us a lot. They yes. kind of are almost like that uh, inner voice that tells us that tells us to say it wants to keep us playing safe. Right. Exactly. And uh, I'm sure your mom with well intentions, you know, wanted to keep you safe and said, hey, you're already successful. You don't really have to put yourself through that. Um, but thankfully, you saw the, the homeless man and decided to to move on. So glad to glad you did that, Christine. Thank you so much. So let's jump in. We've been talking already a little bit about imposter syndrome, but for our listeners uh, and for everyone who has come to this topic, either personally or heard about it, what is the imposter syndrome? Yes. So the imposter syndrome, it's when it's a collection of feelings. It's when you feel inadequate, despite a lot of evidence that would say the opposite. So it tends to be ongoing feelings of self-doubt, um, really questioning yourself, uh, particularly on an intellectual level. Are you an intellectual fraud? Um, really just sort of waiting around for somebody to find out that you really shouldn't be in the job that you're in, in the school that you're in. Um, really, uh, any time that you 
are really, really, really doubting yourself, despite the fact that others see completely a different picture about you. Yeah. I mean, it. you said 70% uh, of people have this feeling at some time or another, and I'm surprised it's not even higher. I mean, me too. <laughs> yeah, because it comes up even in little things like meetings. Uh, people can feel as an imposter in a meeting. Um, or like, as you said, you take on a new role and you're, you're wondering whether or not, you know, you are, you really have enough, you have what it takes to be successful in that role. And what I found was interesting is that we, all these feelings of doubt and insecurity come up despite a huge track record of success. Um, right. Is that what you found? Yeah. That's exactly right. So, you know, all you have all this evidence saying the opposite, but you still continue to feel like you're a fraud that's, you know, somebody's going to find out and that you really, you know, shouldn't be in the role that you're yeah. in. So you gave a little bit of a personal glimpse into, you know, your own feelings of inadequacy when you were about to take the test to get into the master's program. I have to tell you, uh, you know, I have felt it at different times in my career uh, as, as I said, in meetings, I'm sitting in a meeting and they're talking about all these things and these things are really heady and they're using acronyms. You know, we're good for doing that in, in organizations. And I'm sitting there thinking, what the heck are they talking about? And I can feel like, oh, should I even be in this room? Do I have what it takes to be in this room? And yeah, yeah. Um, so, but the fact is I am in the room and that's the thing, like you said, we, we are successful in a lot of ways, but can still feel inadequate despite that success. In, exactly. Yeah. Anything else we should have our listeners know about uh, the imposter syndrome, what it is? Let's see. Um not that I can think of. Um, I have heard, you know, there's an association with being very high achievers yes. um, tend to have the imposter syndrome. And a lot of times it's driven by perfectionism that, um, and can even be, some people believe it can even come from having parents that tell you that you're perfect or that you can do anything, which is great in one regard, but then also when you do make mistakes and you're not perfect, which we know as human beings, we're intellectually, we know that we're never going to be perfect. But we forget that. And um, that often what is what triggers the imposter syndrome. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Like, where does this even come from and, and how does it start? And so you said it could start even from parents thinking they're being really great parents, right? That's right. You know, you really believing that, you know, helping your child to learn that you can do absolutely anything and that you're perfect just as you are. And, and, um, and then what happens is when you make a mistake, uh, it contradicts that. And you think to yourself, well, I'm not, a, I'm not perfect. And I made this mistake. And uh, so my mother must not be right, or my father must mm-hmm. not be right. And, and then you, you carry that with you. And maybe you don't speak up in a meeting, or maybe you don't go for that extra job, or, um, you know, don't go on that date with that guy, because you, you feel like you're, you're an imposter. Right, right. It's so I, as you're talking, I'm thinking about that, the messages I received from my parents, my, my grandparents, was all about, you know, you're so smart, and you can do anything you put your mind to, or, 
you know, you're, you're better. You know, my, my parents, you know, bragged on me a, a lot and I'm sure parents loving their kids do that a lot. And this is not about placing any blame or pointing the finger on parents. What I'm doing is saying that that is one place where it could come from, where this imposter syndrome could come from, yeah. because what we do, what we end up doing is trying to live up to these really great and beautiful and high expectations that our parents, how they think of us. And we try to live up to that. And, 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 you know, as, as normal things would happen, sometimes we live up to it beautifully and other times we feel like we don't. Right. And that's when that, Oh, is, is what my mother said true, you know, and start to start to doubt ourselves. That's exactly right. And one article I read even broke it down into different types of imposter syndrome. And one of them sounds just like what you were describing. And it's the people who, um, you know, it's the sort of like the genius imposter mm. syndrome where most of your life, you really haven't had to struggle to learn something or things have come to you very, very naturally. And then when you do run into something that you don't do correctly the first time, um, that can start setting up the imposter syndrome in mm -hmm. your mind. Another type is um, the soloist, you know, the person who doesn't ask for help, that doesn't want people to know that they're feeling inadequate and they're really trying to operate on their own. You know, they believe they're supposed to do these things alone. And that is, is another type of imposter syndrome. So even within the imposter syndrome, there's different types. Wow. I didn't know about uh, those different types, especially the soloist. Yes, yes. I thought that was fascinating. And I definitely have seen that in my coaching career. I've run into very high achieving executive leaders who, who really believe that they're supposed to be able to do it on their own, and they haven't really been taught to ask for help. And that's something I've had to learn mm -hmm. as well, that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be honest and let somebody know that you're feeling like an imposter at that moment and that you need help. Um, and, and that can be a very hard shift to make. So the imposter syndrome is typically not something that's cured overnight. It's definitely a process and something that you have to work on over time. Yeah. I mean, just staying with these, the soloist, as we're calling, calling yes. that, it could also be that if, because they feel like a fraud, they don't want anyone to get too close, right? Because right. if you get that's too exactly close, right. you might, I might get discovered in some way. Exactly. That's a very I don't know if that's true or if that's what, where it comes from, but that's what that's what comes to mind for me is that we try to mask and try to have this facade of that we have everything under control, we're confident, but inside we're feeling those feelings of insecurity and, and doubt. That's exactly right. And especially leaders, you know, a lot of people go into a leadership role thinking they should know everything, that they should know what to do, when in reality, it's, it's just like anything else. You know, in my opinion, great leaders are, are made. They're not mm -hmm. just born, you know. So you, people that maybe are not a natural leader from birth can still be a great leader. And, um, and a lot of times that requires help. That requires, you know, mentors and going to classes on leadership, getting coaching, um, being willing to tell your peers that you need support. Um, being willing to tell your higher up that you need support. And a lot of us, you know, particularly in our country where we're supposed to be independent, 
um, we forget that that's okay to ask yeah, for help. I, I have debunked this independence thing. I think we achieve nothing alone, you know, um, yes. but that's so interesting. And as you were talking, I was also thinking going from early childhood, cause I have a four-year-old granddaughter who has no imposter syndrome in her at all. She will try anything. She will ask questions. She will be curious. Um, you know, ex- experiment, Amazing. you know what I mean? When, when, when we're, yes. you know, three, four, five years old. But then I also, my mind shifted to these senior leaders in organizations and just over the span of our lives. And the, as you said, the, the higher up we go in an organization, you know, it's not true, but the, the leader and even people around them may assume that this leader knows everything. And I I remember there's a, there was a leader at, at the, at ESPN where I currently work. And um, I loved that he would always say, I don't know everything and, and had that vulnerability. Right. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but had the vulnerability and, and the security enough to say, I don't know, but I'm sure there are people who do know. Absolutely. And that we, we want to be around people like that. We don't want to be around the perfect mm-hmm. person. You know, we want to be around people that are vulnerable and willing to ask for help. So I imagine that that made him an even better leader by, by being honest with yes, his team. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure of it. Um, so let's, let's move on in this conversation. Um, we've probably been talking about it a little bit already, but the next thought, the next question I had was, how do you usually see this manifest? Yes, and, and I think my boss saw it in me just this week. So <laughs> I, <laughs> and I was, you know, it's funny how things happen, you know, and I joked with them about doing this <laughs> podcast this weekend because um, I had a, um, I <clears throat> had some, somebody on our team was hired about a year and a half ago and, and he would not mind me sharing this because he and I talk about okay. this all the time. But he came in with just a ton of experience and, um, is very confident in how he portrays himself and his opinions. And so often I take that as he must be right if he's that confident about how he's saying it. And one of our other colleagues pointed out to me that I always go with his opinion mm. and that, um, you know, I, I forget that I have good ideas myself or that maybe somebody else on the team has good ideas. So I, I remember thinking that's not true. And then sure enough, later that afternoon, I had a meeting to go into and I asked this confident colleague to go with me into the meeting. And my manager pulled me aside and said, you, don't, you do not need him to go in with you to this meeting. You can do this on your own. And so I immediately caught myself and laughed about, you know, doing this podcast <laughs> on the imposter syndrome. Thanked her for seeing that in me and um, giving me the confidence to go into my meeting and remembering how much I do know and uh, had a great meeting. And, and I think it actually would have maybe escalated a problem in the meeting if I'd brought in, you know, reinforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really glad that I went into the meeting by myself and, and, uh, and also knowing that it's okay if I make a mistake by going to that meeting and it's not perfect, but uh, luckily the meeting went very well. Yeah, well, sure. Of course it did because the imposter syndrome is, you know, is this, is the cousin to the inner critic, you know, it's, yes. it's not really true. We have to debunk those messages that come through the imposter syndrome and, and the cousin, the inner critic. Um, but you, you said yeah. something that I, I just want to hone in on, and that is ha- bringing in reinforcement. 
And one of the, in one of the articles I read as we're talking about how this manifests is um, always seeking external validation, right? Validation from others. Um, And so in, in your own way, that's what you were seeking. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, that's definitely a sign of, of, of the imposter syndrome, not having it come from yourself and that, you know, the success you've created, you know, who you are, but instead having to get that validation from others. Yeah. I, um, if, if there are others just jump other kind of ways in which it manifests, jump, jump right in. But another one that I read, um, about Christine was, uh, probably to the opposite end of that is always, uh, having this air of uh, you have to prove yourself to others this almost goes to the other end of it and and so proving yourself through non-stop achievement just achievement after achievement kind of being a serial achiever if you will and overworking yourself almost to cover up the imposter syndrome is they said that was one way in which it it can manifest Yes, I, I completely agree with that. And, and I've heard from people that when they do see somebody that's constantly, constantly, constantly overachieving, that that can be a warning side that there, there might be the imposter syndrome going right, on. Right, right. And I don't want to say that, you know, we're not here to kind of diagnose everyone, right. but these are just some signs. Um, and just yes. talking to, to the listeners now, I hope that this is resonating with you. I hope that you're getting a lot from... Christine's in my conversation. The imposter syndrome, as I said, is something that I get uh, questions about a a lot. And even inside of the AHA community, it is something that members um, want more information on. So I hope this is being really helpful for you. And and Christine, I'm enjoying our, our conversation together. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's go to, um, overcoming it. So for someone, if they feel they are an imposter, how can they overcome it? Yes. So there's, there's many different ways to overcome it. I, in addition to working at Kaiser Permanente, I have my own coaching practice on the side and I do coach clients around Mm -hmm. this issue and there's different ways to do it. There are three main ways that I typically work with my clients. And one is to really help them identify their essence or their best self. Because we're really, really good at identifying our weaknesses, but we're not as good at identifying our best self. Those things that you know draw people to us, that when we walk into a room, those qualities that people see. And so one of the first things I do is I do an exercise with my client that helps them identify their best self. And then we narrow that down into five words. Mm-hmm. So for example, my best self is joy, power, unity, play, and heart. And we use others to help us identify those, those qualities. And then I work to come from that place 90% of the time. So I post those qualities all over and have my clients do the same with their qualities and encourage them to really come from that place to remember that that's really who they're, they are. They're not their their fears and their survival mechanisms. They're really their essence. You know, you, we talked about this as we were, um, you know, kind of chatting and, and prepping for this session and what we want to talk about. And you, you gave me your kind of five qualities. 
And you said one of them, power, was the one that you didn't readily accept. So tell me how power shows up for you and how you've come to get comfortable with power. Absolutely. I, I was shocked. So when I you know, got all this feedback from people about the qualities that I bring into a room, um, many of them mentioned power and confidence. And I thought, that is hysterical. <laughs> that's not what I <laughs> That isn't what I see. But then if I actually look at the results that I create, you know, at work and in my life, um, there is a lot of power in, in these results. So um, I really, I, I work with a life and leadership coach. I meet with him one hour a week, four times a month, year round. And he really encourages me to come from my essence, just as I do with my clients 90% of the time. And he really had to help me grow into that power um, piece because I really didn't see it in myself. And so it's been a process over time for me to really accept that, yes, I am a powerful person. And to illustrate that, I, um, about a year ago, I started doing ballroom dancing and um, was in my first competition last April. And I invited my mom to come to the competition um, because I knew she would really enjoy it. Um, she called me a couple of days later and mentioned that she had talked to my dad and grandmother and they both really wanted to come to the competition too. And they were going to buy tickets. And my first reaction was to feel anger because I really just wanted this to be about me and my, my father and grandmother could be a little bit higher <laughs> at times. And <laughs> I didn't think, I, I thought I'd have to focus on them rather than the competition. And I had a lot of nerves around the competition. So um, my first reaction was to call my mom back and tell them they can't come. And then I remembered if my essence is you know, joy and power and unity and play and heart, that um, this is a unifying event, of course they can come, and that I have the power to still be able to concentrate on the competition and, you know, embrace them as the audience. Um, they came to the event. We had a blast. Um, the event was, was wonderful. And then my father passed away two weeks later. And I was so grateful that that was the last event that we had as a family. And if I really wasn't aware of my my essence, um, my life purpose is also ironically unity. If I weren't aware of those things and being intentional about my decisions, I don't know that I would have allowed them to come and, and created a mm. great event out Chris of it. Um, Christine, yes. that is such a special story. Such, such Thank a special you. memory, right? Yes, really is. I'm just so grateful that that was our, you know, last memory yes. together. He loved it. He kept telling me how I was much better than the other people, which I don't think is actually true, <laughs> but maybe that's yeah. the imposter syndrome. But he was so funny. He kept telling me numerous times it was obvious that I was better than some of the other dancers. And, you know, it just was a really, really fun event. My grandmother loved it. My mother loved it. So just so grateful that we had that time. Together. I'm glad you had that time together. Such a special story. And it's something for, for us to remember. One, that the when we ask other people, uh, to tell us who we are, or, or not necessarily tell us who we are, but when we enter a room or when we leave a room, you know, what comes to mind for them? Um, and they give us that, and they give us that, we hear it over and over again from people who are in constant interaction with us. It at least gives us something to reflect on and to, and to take in. And I'm so glad you took in that word power 
instead of just rejecting it, you know, and, and, and all those uh, five qualities of joy and, and unity and, and the others. And this goes to uh, something you shared with me uh, earlier as well. It says, what do you want your story to be? Yes. So I have heard Andy Stanley speak. He's a, um, a minister in Atlanta, and I've gotten the opportunity to hear him speak mm-hmm. a few times. And one of the stories he shared in one of his sermons was about when you make decisions about things, particularly things that are difficult, that you're really struggling to make the decision, what do you want the story to be, you know, three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? You know, did I want the story to be that I told my grandmother and father not to come to a ballroom dancing event? Um, You know, or did I want it to be that they came and that we all had a great experience? So just really, anytime we have a, a challenging decision to make, um, and I'm sure there's much more challenging decisions out there than whether or not to have some <laughs> people at a ballroom dancing event. But just really asking ourselves, you know, what what is the story? What do we want the story to be? What do we want to remember? And I think that's something we could use with people of all ages. You know, Absolutely. Children, teenagers. Um, you know, what, what do we want the story to Absolutely. be? Absolutely. And so way number one of overcoming imposter is is getting to know your true self and living in that. And there's a authenticity to it. You're not trying to please someone else. You're not trying to, you know, wait for that external validation. You're trying to live from your own truth. And that's what I heard you yeah. say. Absolutely. So it's, it's not like you're doing anything new. You are already these things. And it's so funny how um, it's so clear to other people, even though it's not clear to us, and so once we know what that is, it's just a matter of really living that out fully 90% of the time and not letting things like fear and the imposter syndrome get in the way of that. Yeah. So we said there were three. That was number one. Um, yes. The second one we shared and we talked a little bit was around life purpose. Let's talk about how life purpose can help someone really overcome their imposter syndrome. Yeah. So really, you know, another thing I do with my clients is work with them to really identify and hone in on their life purpose. Um, And it's once they know that and it really resonates for them and it's something, again, that comes out of them. It's nothing new, but it's just really helping peel away the layers to help the client really identify what their life purpose is and then encouraging them to really, you know, again, live out that life purpose and once you're, you know, really coming from your essence 90% of the time, and once you're living out your life purpose, you don't have as much time to worry about being an imposter. Um, and really, it also starts to flip it it's on its head that it's okay at times to feel like an imposter. That, you know, oftentimes when we're in fear or anxiety, it's because we're doing something outside of our yes. And, you know, that's really where possibility lives. It's when we're, we're, you know, um, doing something new, we're going to make mistakes. So now I view mistakes as rather some sign that I'm a failure and um, an imposter. I view it instead as I am building a big life and I'm living a big life. And when you build and live a big life, you are absolutely going to make mistakes. And that's all part of the learning process. I love that. I'm, I'm building a big life, Christine. Yeah. Yes. So one of the things I also read was uh, just what you're talking about, reframing failure. And, you know, we, this whole fear of failure can really lord over our lives if we let it. 
But Winston yeah. Churchill told us success is not final and failure is not fatal. So really making framing failure as opportunity for learning and how much growth comes out of that. And I, I love that you brought that up. Yes. And in a favorite story I've heard, and I'm pretty sure it was an article about Sarah Blakely, who is the founder and CEO of Spanx here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. Georgia. And she shared a story where her father at dinner every night would ask the family um, to share their number one failure from that day, that their biggest failure from that day. And they would celebrate it as a family because he too believed, you know, that if you're trying new things, if you're building a big life, then you're absolutely going to make mistakes. And I thought, how cool if you start learning that from such a young age um, and being okay with making mistakes, um, you know, how different would, would, would that person's life. Yeah. I read a story, a business story about uh, leadership teams at Google that when they fail at something or fail fast at something, they toast with champagne. And I love love that story as well, because it really, you talk about power, it actually takes the power away from failure and places it on experimentation and learning and exploring and curiosity and that's where innovation really comes from and growth. Yes. Yeah. I that. Yeah. So the third one that we talked about was vulnerability. And I know Brene Brown is, you know, I think she's cornered this word uh, on vulnerability. But how can we, how can our vulnerability help us overcome the imposter syndrome? So I um, often send Um, Brene Brown's videos to my clients and to remind them of the importance of being vulnerable, Um, that admitting, you know, that that at times that we're feeling like an imposter. And of course, you want to admit that to people that are safe to share that with. But I think there's a lot more people that are safe than we often realize. And it's really breaking the silence. So it's that silence that keeps you in the imposter syndrome, whereas if you can break that silence, share it with others, and you'll learn how common that is. Again, we said 70% of people um, have moments of imposter syndrome and people uh, don't really like working with people that are quote unquote perfect. We want to see the underbelly of people. We want the humanity of people, right? Exactly. That's exactly right. And we want to help people. So um, if we could all be more honest with each other about our mistakes and feeling like an imposter, then we can really support each other. Um, You know, the more people we can tell about our essence and our life purpose, and they can remind us of our essence and our life purpose. So it's really about breaking that silence and being okay with vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I find that that's often the hardest thing for a, you know, highly successful leader to realize that it's okay to be mm-hmm. vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. So you've given really three great ways, you know, finding your own essence and living true to who you are. Um, focusing on your life purpose, it really uh, limits the amount of time, that idle time or that non-fruitful time of focusing on on others and what they must be thinking uh, of you or waiting for external validation to tell you you're okay. So focusing on on your life purpose and, and living that. And then being okay with being vulnerable and knowing that none of us has all the answers to anything and that we are more human and we are more, um, we, we actually attract more people uh, when we are uh, 
when we own up to and even celebrate our imperfections at times. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, those are some three ways in which, um, you know, our listeners can, can try out and, and overcome the imposter syndrome, but we also encounter it in others. What advice would you give to someone who perhaps they see it in someone else, a parent sees it in, um, in their child, or you see it in a coworker? Um, what, what are, what are some ways in which you can help them? Yeah, um, I think that's, that's great. I think, um, you know, just offering your support, sharing your own story um, of possibly, you know, moments where you felt like an imposter. Um, I would encourage people to hire a life and leadership coach if they're really struggling with it. And, um, and there are coaches out there, believe it or not, for all ages these days. So even there's even life coaches out for children mm. these days. So, um, and I just think to myself, boy, if I had a life <laughs> coach at 10, you know, where would I be today? Um, that would be amazing. Um, and just letting, just really reminding people that we're human, that we're never, you know, we're not, we're not designed to be perfect and that it's okay to make mistakes. And um, just really, and remembering that we don't know what other people are going through. Um, if somebody's, you know, acting out at work or what we consider acting out at work, just remember that we don't always know the burdens that other people are carrying and um, just trying to be a supportive and loving coworker. Yeah. Uh, or parent or friend, because we don't always know what's really going on. Yeah, I, I was thinking about, um, like, when I'm having one-on-one meetings with uh, people on my team, and per- let's just say they something didn't go as well as I was hoping it would go, or they were hoping that it would go. I, one of the things I've learned, and maybe it's because I am a, a, a people developer, but that's what I do Yes, is I never really focus too much on what went wrong or the mistake that was made. I always ask them, tell me what you learned. And I, it's, it's almost like they exhale, like they, uh, you know, sometimes when you're coming and you're meeting with the leader, you feel like, oh, this is kind of into the principal's office when we're in school. When when I when I say let's not focus on that, let's focus on what we learned. What did we learn from this? It, it, it just it, it relaxes them, and what I'm hoping that it does is that it shows them that we all make mistakes, and those mistakes are kind of our biggest opportunities for growth, learning, and greater development, and and to do it again the next time, even better without the mistakes. So uh, I'm hoping that that's one way in which I'm helping some of my own team who might be dealing with a little bit of imposter syndrome to relax and know that it's okay. I think that's a great idea. Christine, this has been a wonderful conversation and I hope that my listeners will agree. I've gotten so much from your stories um, before I let you go, though, this is something you're my first guest, actually. Oh, yes. Uh, well, it's my honor. I'm so happy to have you join me. And it's so much it's so much it's so much more fun, actually, to have a conversation with someone than just talking um, from my own vantage point. So it's good to bounce these ideas off of someone else. So thank you again so much for agreeing to be a part of your AHA life. 
So Christine, thanks for our time together. I have one final question for you. And it's a question that I ask, I will ask all of my guests. And it's about the AHA life. The AHA life is defined generally as living the life that you are meant to live. It is a life of more joy, more purpose, and more fulfillment. It is your personal life philosophy. So I want to ask you, Christine, what is your AHA life? Yes, I, I definitely feel like I'm living my AHA life. And a year and a half ago, I hired my own life and leadership coach, and I meet with him one hour a week, four times a month, year round. And it's really allowed me to create the life of my dreams. Um, I have a great career. I have my own business. I have wonderful friends. Um, the areas I'm still working on is I'm looking, one of my goals is to be in an epic relationship with a man that I can walk through life with. And thanks to my coach, I've been on more dates in the last year and a half um, than I've been on in my life. And I'm looking forward to continuing down that journey and um, just, you know, really embracing my life, embracing my essence, my life purpose um, has really allowed me to live the life of my dreams. And I'm so grateful for this AHA community because I feel like I can, it's a great community for me to be able to ask for support from, as well as to be able to give support. So just really, really grateful to be part of this amazing um, group of people who are also living the life of their dreams. Yeah, sounds so awesome. Thank you so much again, Christine. I've enjoyed speaking with you and I know our listeners have enjoyed listening to you and thank you so much. Thank you. It's been an honor and a privilege. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Before I go, I want to personally thank you, first of all, for listening. And secondly, I want to personally invite you that if you are getting a lot out of your AHA Life, the podcast, please consider subscribing and leave a review. Tell me what you like and tell me what you'd like to hear more of from me. Leave a five-star rating and share with your network. I also want to invite you to join my Facebook community, the AHA community. We are a group of like-minded people, high achieving, high performing individuals who, yes, are successful in many ways, but we also want more out of life, more joy, more purpose, and more fulfillment. I think you'll, I think you'll really like it there. So come check us out and then follow me on Twitter at Tanya Cornelius. Thank you so much for spending time with me, for listening and for supporting this podcast. And I'll be back in a couple of weeks with a brand new episode. Thank you for listening. Come back again for another episode that will inspire you to live the life you dream about and the life you are meant to live. I'm Tanya Harris Cornelius, and this is Your AHA Life.